Do you like to be the first name of your sex tape? Well, if you like to be the first to listen to podcasts, you might want to check out our Patreon because now we're offering a brand new membership tier called Name of Your Sex Tape. I couldn't help it, guys. I'm sorry. For five pounds a month, you'll get an ad-free version of our weekly episode on a Tuesday, a full day earlier than its usual release. So you can be the very first to talk about how funny our guest was, how quickly you cracked the case, or how badly I answered a question. Plus, you'll get all the benefits of our regular tier, including our live Zoom records, a special shout out on the podcast, and if you really like to hear us talk, we've got an entire back catalog of extra content. Check it out on patreon.com forward slash drunk women solving crime. Name of your sex tape. Name of your sex tape. Name of your sex tape. Fancy coming along to see Drunk Women Solving Crime live? Ooh, yes please. Why not join us for our monthly London residency at the marvellous Museum of Comedy? We've got monthly shows through to June. Plus, every show is a double header, so you get to see us record not one, but two episodes with two fantastic guests. You can find tickets on our website, drunkwomensolvingcrime.com. Shows are selling out fast, so be quick. Noise. Noise. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to Drunk Women Solving the Moon Underwater, another fantastic podcast mashup lovingly put together for this year's Red Nose Day, which is back on Friday the 17th of March. Although regular listeners of Drunk Women Solving Crime are well aware of who we are, you might not be acquainted with our co-hosts for this evening. So allow me to introduce John Robbins and Robin Allander from the Moon Underwater podcast. Before we get going, let's say a quick thanks to Comic Relief for bringing our two shows together. There's nothing quite like Red Nose Day, that time when we bring the laughs and raise life-changing money. Whatever you can do this year, you'll be part of something amazing that's helping people through the toughest times of their lives in the UK and around the world, and helping them break free from poverty. We'll hear more about how you can help at the end of the show, but for now, let's all charge our glasses and get into it. At the giving hour, as the silver chinks into the pint past round, a moment's silence in the candle flicker. Thoughts turn to those who cannot shut their doors on the cold, nor warm their stomach with food. Then three cheers for the clowns and a bottle for the band. In the moon underwater. Drunk Women Solving Crime Red Nose Day podcast mashup at comicrelief.com forward slash podcast mashup.
Robin, where have you been? I've been at sixes and sevens. Well, I've been down the road at fours and fives. Well, as you were out warming yourself in the sun, um, I had to sigh for the mist, and I've never sighed for the mist before, so I was actually quite panicked about the whole affair. Well, how did he cipher it? Did he pant? Well, don't ask how. Ask what kind of mist it was. Oh, right. What kind of mist was it? It was a red mist, Robin. Oh, a red mist. Are you feeling evil? Well, no, it was like an emergency mist. Oh, OK, yeah. So I sort of sighed for it in quite a... I thought I had to sigh for it in an emergency way. So, ha, 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 like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I like sca- that. That's what it scared the mist, man. Yeah, yeah. Anyway... Yeah. Turns out, uh, hidden in the mist was a cry of urgency from the other realm. Go on. Yes, well, well, an an emergency on two fronts. So it's a two-pronged emergency. Uh, Firstly, money needs to be raised in the other realm for uh, our old friends, Comic Relief. Yes. It's a big deal in the other realm, uh, so we need to help out. And then, a subsequent PS in the red mist from Drunk Women Solving Crime. Oh, great. Basically, what it is, is there's a mystery to solve, I believe, Mm. and money to be raised. Um, Luckily, Taylor Glenn knows her way here uh, because she's been here before. So I think she's going to be helping the rest of the drunk women solving crime to get through the sort of rift between the realms. We can raise a bit of money, for goodness sake. Solve Solve a couple of crimes, if I don't mind doing so myself. Gladly. And uh, everyone comes out smelling of roses. Or should I say, smelling of noses. What? What? No, it sounds... It's great. Oh, red noses. Yes, yes. sorry. Yeah, yeah, it's actually actually quite clever when you think about it. Um, So anyway, the red mist is parting at the door. Oh, it's all going off so quickly. It's it's rare that you get this sort of um, level of adrenaline in the in yeah. the correct realm, isn't it? Usually much more chilled. But through the mist now come Taylor Glenn, Katie Wilkins, and Hannah George. All three, all hail to the drunk women solving crime. Come on in. Hello. Hi. Hi. <laughs> so glad I remembered how to get here. It's the first time ever in my life. Yes. Yes. Did the uh, the realmsman direct you to the right rift oh yeah lovely chap okay great stuff you, you told me you hated him Shh. no <laughs> we had a disagreement last time we don't have to get into it okay. let's start off positive this is crime yeah let let's let bygones be bygones because the last thing we need if if he's not on side but no one's going to get through the the rifts in the realms so true um we're very very glad to have you here in the moon underwater so, first off, grab yourselves a pew, guys. I, I must ask, what's your favourite type of pew? They don't all have to be pews, but when you're sitting in a pub, what sort of thing do you like to sit on? I'm a, I'm a booth girl myself. Booth girl? Uh, Douglas Booth. Um, Connie Betty, Booth. No, that is my... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking I've gone into that and I, I've got one person with John, name Booth John and Wilkes. it's a max and no one knows. Let's keep John Wilkes. There you go. The best of all the booths. The, the northern supermarket chain... Booths. Oh. Yeah, I think they might have closed down now. Quick, because I sat on them. Yes, too many people thought they were a booth and just <laughs> sat in them without spending any money and that was unsustainable. So we got, we're going booth. Uh, Taylor, what are you going for? Oh, I mean, is it all right if I just say the same as Hannah? Because that's all I'm going to do for the entire hour is repeat Hannah. 
I love a booth. I love a booth. I'm a bit weird with stools. I don't have the core strength that I once did. So stools make me nervous. We had to do a show recently, a whole live show on stools, and I I almost fell over, even without the alcohol. (laughs) Well, Katie, depending on your choice, it, it is looking like we're all sitting in a booth, but what would you usually go for in a pub? You know what? I'm going to go booth. I'm not going to rock the boat now. <laughs> that would just be radical. Because the thing is, though, what's bit, I'm a bit worried is that a booth is generally a four-seater and yeah. there's five of us. So one of we got we got to have a cull now. Now they got circular ones. A circular um, booth. Hey, isn't the whole... Don't we get to choose the... We get to choose this, right? Yeah. We can make it circular. The LA booth. Nice. Mm. Yeah, I don't know why I was trying to cause an argument, guys. It this just early on. makes it... If anyone needs the toilet and they're bang in the middle... Yeah, that's the, Everyone hates that guy. Because he shit himself just in the middle <laughs> of the pub. The moon underwater has revealed two options for us. The first of which is a, a, a traditional booth, but... I, I think what it's done is it's made a sort of a hole for me in the middle, like a lazy Susan. A lazy. I was going to say that a lazy booth, and where, where you can spin the booth around. So if you need the loo, yeah, spins you around to the exit point. Like it, like a little one of the little dials in Kaplunk. Yep. Not Kaplunk. What's the other one? Oh, I don't know why I said yep. <laughs> it's not Kaplunk. There was a game. Mouse trap. Now, there used to be a game where you'd. You'd face each other and there'd be a thing and you'd have to turn dials to get a little thing to the bottom. Oh, I know the one. That's a great mime that you've just done there. No, it's nothing to do with marbles, mate. Okay. Oh, it made me think of a marble game from my childhood as well, Robin. So, Mm. yeah. It's not a marble game. Um, But... uh, (laughs) Kerplonk. I I think it's... uh, That's not going to work because otherwise I'm going to get giddy. So the other one is the simple just sort of classic pentangular booth, uh, which is a sort of booth in four dimensions. So let's head in there now. Well, you guys head in there and I'll get you your drinks because this is important business um, before we get on to the uh, the mystery in question. Taylor, you've been here before and I have been into the archives and uh, retrieved your oh. choices, all oh, written out uh, with... I was using quills at the time. Uh, which just ended up being too expensive. But it'd be interesting to see if, uh, if if your choice tonight appears on the choices you made here in The Moon Underwater when you were creating the fantastic tailor-made pub. Oh, yes. But let's start with you, Katie. What can I get you this evening? What's your favourite drink to be solving crime with? Um, the thing, we've fallen into a pattern where we're typically drinking Prosecco and I don't know if that's what I want tonight. I like we did a we did a live show in Belfast and I had Guinness and and I I think that was that's working. I want to switch it up and have a Guinness. Perfect. I mean it's the most popular choice here by far and a Is it? Yeah. And a pint of uh, the finest Guinness you've ever tasted. They say Guinness tastes best in Ireland. You should try it in a different realm. <laughs> uh, so a Guinness for Katie. Uh, Hannah, what about you? Well, if this different realm is non-judgmental, then I would like to say that I, I'd have a Smirnoff Ice, guys. Nice. I wanted wow. a Smirnoff Ice in a pub for fucking a you decade. You think you know someone. I know, right? Mm. But this is the thing. Because of shame, I won't do it. You can't, at the end of a work day, go out with your colleagues and be like, I'll have a Smirnoff Ice. As a, th- a woman in her 30s, I can't do that. Oh, Hannah, you can. You just bought tickets for S Club 7, honey. You can do whatever <laughs> you want. <laughs> 
<laughs> Just be you. They're yeah. pretty much sponsored by Smirnoff Ice, aren't they? <laughs> you, there's no shame to be had in any drink choice. So Smirnoff Ice it is with a straw or without. Oh, I'm going to straw pedo that. If it's got a straw in it, that is, that is gone. Do we used to do a turbo shandy? There was, was a lager with a Smirnoff Ice in it. Oh yes. yes. Oh yeah. Wow. Yes. Bad That's news. Bold. Yeah. A cheeky Vimpto as well. That was a a blue WKD with port. Yeah. That's oh good. god. Yeah. Cheeky Vimpto, Turbo Shandy, and what was the one we invented? A uh, Mungo. A uh, Mungo. Yeah. Uh, with the Krabby's ginger beer, with a shot of Sailor Jerry's in it. Yes. A Turbo Mungo. <laughs> That's it. Turbo Mungo. <laughs> it was delicious. Expensive oh, and dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> And finally, uh, Taylor, what can I get you this evening on this very special comic relief evening? Well, now it feels like a bit of a memory game. Did I say a dirty vodka martini when I was on before? I tell you what, you certainly chose the constituent parts. You had Belvedere vodka and dry vermouth. And I've got in brackets here, martini. And I think the way you made it dirty was with your wildcard choice, which was Queen Green Olives in Brine. That's the one. Very good. I mean, I could stick with that, although I will say, just for variety, I've rediscovered whiskey sours. Ooh. Yum, yum, yum. What is a whiskey sour? Lemon juice, whiskey, sugar, and an egg white. And it's shaken over ice, so it has a bit of a foam top. And a good one is really sour, but like nice smoky whiskey. Mm. Very nice. Mm. Very nice. So which one would you like this eve? I'm going to do whiskey sours, I think. That feels really, um, if we're going to solve crime in a pub, mm. that feels like a, a crime solvey tipple. I liked how uh, Taylor said she was going to agree with everything I said until I said Smanoff. <laughs> <laughs> and then I realised. <laughs> I had a friend who said that a dirty martini was his signature drink. That's, you, can't signature. Have, who, 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 you can't say you have a signature drink, can you? I mean, he was a roadie. I think you can have one, but where on earth? I mean, how many times are you going to be able to get a dirty martini? Yeah, I know, yeah. This is that I won't order them many places because you have to be in very... Well, that's true of most cocktails, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Where you have to do stuff to them. Yeah, you wouldn't want to sort of be explaining the constituent parts of a dirty martini to, you know, some poor soul in a in a pub, in like a... <laughs> You know, Leicester Square pub. Yeah, maybe they'll be getting the kind of vinegar out of the pickled egg jar just to try and satisfy <laughs> you. She wants salty liquid, all right. <laughs> and Robin, what can I get you, dear? Oh, go on. I will just have... I'll just have a pint. Of? Just just a pint. Just an empty pint glass? Yes, yeah, I'll have an empty pint glass, yeah. Well, what do you want to drink, you fool? I know, I know. Um... Yeah, just I'll have, a, I'll have a Timothy Taylor Landlord. Oh, lovely stuff. Yeah, T-T-L, Tango Tango mm. Lima. Right then, here <laughs> they all are, lined up in the booth. Now then, to business. I don't know if you saw the red mist that came into the uh, correct realm, but it brought troubling news. First of uh, a need to raise money, which we're going to be uh, giving details on later in the show, but if I can hand over to you guys for the second part, the PS of the Red Mist, what on earth do we need to do? Well, I mean, today we are drunk women solving crimes, so we are going to um, be solving some crimes, guys, if, if, you, if you're up for that. Absolutely. I'm just going to get um, my my lucky Sherlock Holmes. He uh, he sits on my shelf with his... 
Nice. With his, his movable magnifying glass, uh, he, he came free in a, a happy meal. And I, I used to do an amusing joke where um, whenever I found one of my uh, girlfriend's hairpins, uh, I'd, I'd put them next to Sherlock Holmes and say that he was solving the mystery of the missing hairpins. And, uh, and then she left. But um, still, <laughs> still got the old hairpins uh, next to Sherlock Holmes. So happy mems, happy mems. <laughs> Robin, do you have a uh, a trinket you'd like to share with us? Um, I, uh, not with, not with me, but um... do you know what we d- we don't we don't require one. Oh, okay, fine, good. <laughs> I've got a capo, uh, like like in the mafia, but it's a, a capo for a guitar. But that's connected nice. with crime in a way. Oh, there we go. That'll do. Yes. Whenever you bring it up on on screen, I'll just go a little bit higher. <laughs> yeah. I know what a capo is, guys. Yeah. No big deal. Excellent joke. Um, <laughs> so today, I thought, as we're pub-themed, we'd discuss a man who loved the pub um, and has a pub named after him in London. Ooh. The pub in Moorgate is called The Old Dr Butler's Head. Oh, what a great pub name. It's a solid pub. And if you look at it from the outside, it's quite Dickensian. It, like, it looks like a proper nice pub. And then occasionally you see that font on the, uh, on the chalkboards outside and you realise that it's not as good a nice as a pub <laughs> as you thought. But I've not been in. It could be a great so pub. So what's it called? So- the Old Dr Butler's Head? Yes. It's wow. oh, quite boy. specific. Yeah, it is. It is. And Dr Butler gained a reputation as an eccentric, a drunkard, and the greatest physician of his time. Mm. Wow, different times. You could be a drunk doctor and still revered. (laughs) Exactly. Well, or was he? Was he a con man? We will decide. I'll give you a little bit of background information. He graduated from Cambridge University in 1572 and was immediately given a licence to practice medicine. Mm. Now, why was this odd? What year did you say, Hannah? Fifteen seventy-two. I did hear you correctly. Wow. Fifteen seventy. The word "immediately" is never good in a medical context, is it, particularly with <laughs> regarding studying. Can I guess that there were no medical licenses in fifteen seventy-two? Okay, that's a that's a very sensible guess. No medical licenses. Any advance? It's like, sorry, isn't like a doctor's degree in fifteen seventy two use a saw but give them whiskey? Like, what is he like? We're not doing liver trans. Like, what's he? Yeah. How is this a degree? I mean, obviously, I'm sure there's loads more to it, but yeah. How much can you separate a real physician from a con physician mm. in yeah. that era? Who's legislating? This? Yeah, you, you just need to say your humours are out. Let a bit of blood stick yeah. a leech on you. And exactly. Bob's your uncle. You're dead. <laughs> well, guys, the it was odd because he'd done an art degree. Right. Oh. Weird. Okay. Okay. The art of medicine. <laughs> <laughs> You can yeah, you can just be it's a, fine, a white fine man and uh, graduate from Cambridge and immediately be given a medical license. Wow. Okay. I tried to find out what um, what kind of arts degree he did, but I but I couldn't. So he opened an apothecary shop in I think that's how you pronounce it um, in Cambridge, uh, where he plied his trade until he was sixty eight. So what happens with Doctor Butler? happens in his kind of old age, so never give up on your dreams. <laughs> um, he lived with an old maid called Nell, and she had uh, one job that she had to do for him every night. What was it? Now, when you say old maid, was she an unmarried 24-year-old <laughs> woman called Nell? <laughs> that could mean any number of things. 
quite possibly. What she had to do for him was quite physical. Oh, I'm worried about what old Nell has to do for old Dr. You can Dr. Get, your head, get your head out of the gutter. It's not top shelf. No, it's not. It's not. It's not. It's, um... I was about to say it's sweet. It's not sweet, but um, it's not physical. So like, a, okay, I'm going to go with a, a massage. He had a bad back and she had to give him a good old rub down, but not a pervy one. <laughs> a mid-shelf uh, massage. Okay. <laughs> but she had to do it every night. Every night. So it's not like cutting his toenails because he wouldn't need that every night. <laughs> no. <laughs> Could it be something to do with teeth? Like... Uh, were they of uh, in that age where people had wooden teeth, so maybe she had to sort of carve him a new tooth or something? Every day? <laughs> yeah, every oh. day, yeah. I, 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 I reckon there's a sniff of alchemy around this time. So did, did she have to clean up all his stuff he'd been trying to turn into gold? Ooh, interesting. Well, what she had to do is she did have to clean up, um, but basically she would have to drag him out of the pub every night right. where he would just get smashed. He'd be like... I get smashed, you come and get me, take me home, oh, and we I open see. the practice in the morning. Right. Like those companies that you used to be able to call and they would ride a bike <laughs> to the pub and then drive your car home with the bike in the boot that lasted yes. for about... They're only around for about sort of six months. Yes, and there's still stickers on the back of, <laughs> yeah, like, toilets. There are, yeah. <laughs> the scooter man, I think yeah. it's called. Yes. <laughs> but they won't show up if you call them now. No. I'm sure. Oh, just one guy left in London on his scooter, no one calling. You know, apparently there was someone on the set of Karate Kid whose sole job was to do that for the man who played Mr. Miyagi. It was just his job to, like, go and collect him when he got too drunk and make sure he came back to the hotel and was on set. You're joking. (laughs) I'm not joking. I heard a story about Wesley Snipes in Blade. I think this is quite well known, though, that for one shot, he was annoyed with the director, so shut his eyes. And the, they had to CGI his open eyes onto his eyelids. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. That's just the dream. I'd l- I long to be that successful. Yeah. I know. <laughs> that you can be that much of a deal. Yeah, yeah, you're not disposable. We'll just have to hire somebody to deal with this. Have I it's ever amazing. told you the story about Lady Gaga's fingernails? No. Go on. I was with this guy in an editing suite working on um, a video, and he, he was the brilliant editor, and he told me that the week before, he'd been working on a Lady Gaga video of her singing, and she's sort of holding the mic like this, and there's very there's extreme close-ups on her face and mouth, obviously, and her fingernails are so dirty that they had to CGI the fingernails <laughs> clean no way. over the course of a sort of a 20-minute video, and it Whoa. cost £30,000 because it took so long. All for the sake of a 50p nail brush. Wow. Yeah, and someone not having the guts to say it on the day. Yeah. yeah. Can we go again, but with sort of cleaner nails, please? Can you just pop to the that sink? <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Wow. Again, would love to be that person. Mm. You're <laughs> yeah. filthy, CGI. Take care of it. Or just get into CGI. It sounds yeah. like you can use it for everything. Yeah, that'll be 30... What, fingernails? 30 grand, mate, yeah. <laughs> I could do your eyeballs, eyeballs 15, fingernails, <laughs> 10 of them, see, so, you know. <laughs> yeah, crikey. So old maid Nell was, do we know her age? We don't, we Okay, don't. so she's between 20 and 90. Does she live with him? Are they a thing, or are they 
They live together, uh-huh. um, whether or not they're a... He never married, um, so I don't, I don't know that we know what their relationship was other than she would, like, pull him out of the pub every night. Right. But suddenly he becomes quite famous, and I don't know if he changes. I don't know if that's the thing that leads him away from her because he does move to London at some point. In every success story, they move <laughs> to London. So a local vicar had fallen into an opium-induced coma. Legend! <laughs> <laughs> So he was as good as dead. Uh, but Dr. Butler brings him back to life. My question to you is how? Oh. Well, I was going to say, I think the same thing that he wasn't dead. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he wasn't He wasn't dead. He was in a coma. He was as good as dead. Right, they were going to leave him for dead. Mm. Right. And then Dr. Butler comes along and says, I've got an idea. Right. I'll, it's outlandish. All right. I'm Okay. He does that's the scene from Pulp Fiction. He gets a needle. Sharpie pen. Yeah, straight to the heart. Does he turn him upside down? <laughs> That's for hiccups, isn't it? Well, yeah, just like grab him by his shoes and jiggle him around. <laughs> okay. Often vicars are tiny little men, so... <laughs> Guys, it, I'll give you a clue. Um, it has something of um, Leonardo DiCaprio in The Reverend about it. He gets a 24-year-old woman to go out with him. <laughs> <laughs> Stuffs him in a horse? Stuffs him in a horse is very close. Oh, okay. Oh, stuff some in a donkey. <laughs> it's it's even closer. I mean, I don't know if a horse or a donkey is closer to a cow, guys. It's a cow. It's a cow, does he? You put him in a cow. Okay. Mm-hmm. See, that would make me just want to go back to sleep. All that mm. warmth. That's what he called it. It was, it, it was. There's a quote that it's the warm belly of a cow. So he he cut the cow open, pulled out all its innards, popped him um popped him in. The vicar wakes up. Wow. This is crazy. So this attracts the attention of someone from down in London. Whose whose attention does it does it draw? The farmer that they had stolen the cow from. (laughs) Did the cow ping like a microwave? (laughs) What year is it by now? So I mean I guess if he's sixty-eight, that's okay, so it's fifteen seventy-two plus sixty-eight. That should be easy, actually. So it's 16-something. Yeah, let's call it 1660 Six for shit's giggles. <laughs> so it's, we're 1660 by now. We're in the swinging 60s. <laughs> so, no, it's 1640. We're in the swinging 40s. Was the cow his first idea? Because <laughs> like, if you walk into that situation and you're a doctor and you say, get me a cow and, a, and an axe... <laughs> <laughs> is that, would you not try like smelling salts first or maybe a bit of water on the face or is it straight to the interior of the cow it's a great question i do not know his journey the only thing that was documented was um the man's yeah man you don't get famous just slapping somebody's face you gotta bring in the bovine therapy mm. it'd be quite good on house yeah. <laughs> so who did it attract the attention of hmm. in 1640 in london yeah. John Milton. I want I that's the I mean was that around that time? Okay, nice. I'm not sure, but that's a good that's a good guess because you will have heard of this person. Someone Crom- royal. Okay, Cromwell. <laughs> King James. It's King James. Well done, Taylor. Oh. Yes. Stunning. And this man is uh it's incredible. So Dr. Butler was quickly appointed as the court physician. Immediately, mm. he becomes King James's uh, doctor. Wow. So he had a whale of a time down in London. He starts inventing miracle cures for everything. But before we discuss 
more about his miracle cures, I'm going to pass you back over to John. Oh, this is very tantalising. <laughs> I can imagine. Is it a bit like in Blackadder where sort of uh, it just ends up being leeches for everything? Is it just, <laughs> is it just cows for every complaint you have to get yeah. in a cow? <laughs> I can recommend a course of leeches. <laughs> leeches. <laughs> yeah. I'm feeling depressed. Get in the cow. Get in the cow. <laughs> yeah. I've got a headache. Cow. Cow. <laughs> I guess you would feel less depressed once you got out of the cow because you wouldn't be in a cow anymore. You would. Mm. That's very true. Mm. Well, we're going to find out all about Dr. Butler and his head after a short break. But before the break, uh, here at the Moon Underwater, we always like to have a lovely bit of a pub quiz. Uh, It feels like we're having a wonderful historical quiz all the way through. But Robin, do you want to take us out with some cues? Okay, everybody, pens out, eyes down. It's time for the quiz. He played for Zimbabwe, but he was born in South Africa. I know Alaska is bigger. That wasn't the question. Put your phone away. Right, Michael Jackson's Funky Monkey had been deducted five points. Thanks, John. Welcome to the Moon Underwater pub quiz. Order, order, silence in court. Order, order, silence in court. Yes, this week it's an above-the-board legal quiz in which I ask a series of questions about crime. So I'm going to read out five state-specific laws in the USA, (laughs) and you have to tell me if they are real or made-up laws. Okay? So, Taylor, you might be good at this. I don't know. (laughs) So question one. The legal drinking age in the US is 21, but students at culinary school in Illinois can consume wine underage as long as they spit it out. So is that true or false? Question two. In the state of Indiana, it's illegal to play the trumpet on a horse. (laughs) Question three. In Vermont, women must get permission from their husbands if they want to get false teeth. That's three. Four. In Pennsylvania, you can sue a psychic if they get your fortune wrong. (laughs) And question five... They'd be penniless, wouldn't they? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) And question five... In South Dakota, it's illegal to sleep in a cheese factory. (laughs) And the bonus question is, what is the name of the website where you can donate to Comic Relief? Oh, and that wouldn't be a crime at all. Not at all. So those are your questions. What's the opposite of a crime? Favour? A good deed. A good deed, a favour, a true. Uh, Yeah, it would be a good deed and a favour and a true if you would donate to Comic Relief. So many podcasts are being mashed up and they're being mashed up for your enjoyment, but also uh, to raise some money for people in great need in these difficult times. So we're going to give you no doubt. Well, we should probably answer that question now, Robin, and again after the break, don't you think? Yeah, why not? So the answer to question six is comicrelief.com forward slash podcast mashup. Podcast mashup is a very difficult word to say, but I'll say it again. Comicrelief.com forward slash podcast mashup. Uh, Head over there and please donate, you know, whatever you got, 50 grand, quarter mil, just whatever you got uh, to make a difference. And we'll be back after these notices. 
thanks so much to John and Robin from The Moon Underwater for joining us and thanks to Comic Relief for making this happen. Red Nose Day has always been a time to spread a bit of joy. We know that there's a lot going on right now and for many people things are really tough. But if you can donate, every penny will add up to a life-changing difference. To donate £5, text the word PODCAST to 70205. Text costs your donation amount plus your standard network message charge and 100% of your donation will go to Comic Relief, a registered charity. You must be 16 or over and please ask the bill payer's permission. For full terms and conditions, visit comicrelief.com forward slash podcast mashup. Welcome back to The Moon Underwater. I am John Robbins, the landlord. He is the lovely, the lovely Robin Allender, the regular. But this isn't just The Moon Underwater, because we're also solving crimes. And we're here with Taylor Glenn, Katie Wilkins and Hannah George, the drunk women solving crime. We're in the midst of a mystery. But before we return uh, to that mystery, we must get everyone off these tenterhooks, Robin. Your crime cues hit me and us with them and the answers. (laughs) Thanks, John. Yes, this week in the Moon Underwater crime-based pub quiz, it was five state-specific laws in the US, and you had to tell me if they were real or made up. Question one was, the legal drinking age in the US is 21, but students at culinary school in Illinois can consume wine underage as long as they spit it out. So should we just go, who, who thinks that's true? I think that might be true. I think that's true. I'm suspicious of the word consume, because do you consume something that's just swelled around your mouth? I need to know. But no, but do you? <laughs> <laughs> Recently Horrible. married, Hannah George. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it does feel as though, it feels as though it's true, yeah, because you've got to know what, you know, that you have white wine with, you know, steak and stuff. You've got to learn that yeah. stuff. I I think it's true. It is true. Well done, everyone. Yeah, that's true in Illinois. There you go. Question two was, in the state of Indiana, it's illegal to play the trumpet on a horse. Who thinks that one's true? I mean, it sounds bizarre, but I'm going to say true because I've been to Indiana. And they got some some fun laws. (laughs) And also you didn't hear or see anyone playing a trumpet on a horse. I did not. So anecdotally, at least... I can back this up. The teapot theory of the universe, yes. Any, any advice on true? I think it could Anyone? be true. It, it, it could definitely be true, whether it, it is. It could be true. What about playing a trumpet inside a horse? <laughs> <laughs> yes, to cure you of your opium-induced days. Yeah. I think it's false, Robin. You think it's false? Yes. Well, Hannah, did you did you say I'm going to go false as well. You're false. Well, you're you're both correct there. Yeah, it is false. Yeah. Although it is illegal to ride a horse above ten miles an hour in Indiana. So there we go. Uh, I don't how know do you, why. Come how on, do you guys, test that speed on a horse. <laughs> I don't know the speed gun thing. In Vermont, women must get permission from their husbands if they want to get false teeth. Who thinks that one's true? Or anything in America about women needing permission to do anything with their bodies. I'm just like, yeah, that's probably happening. Or any so. country ever, though. Yes, very true, like, very true. The thing is, that does... I was tricked by the last one, but that sounds specific enough that maybe someone just hasn't updated that law. But it but it sounds like more of a lie than the last one that I thought was true. So I really don't know what to say. I'm going to say true. Just I'm just all in on true. Taylor? Yeah, I thought this one was true as well. And John, what are you you saying? I'm going true with that. 
That one is true. Yeah. Although it, <laughs> Why are we celebrating? Not, Yay! I know. Yes. No false teeth for women. Uh, apparently it's not enforced, but yeah, quite odd. Uh, in Pennsylvania, you can sue a psychic if they got your fortune wrong. True or false? Well, it better be false because I've seen it. I'm from PA and I've seen a couple psychics and none of it has come true. So I could be a very wealthy woman had I known. So I'm going to go with false. <laughs> okay. Any, any advance on false? I feel like we all know that it's not real anyway, so I don't think there could be a law. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, it's the main thing about America is that it's very litigious. Yeah. So, like, I'm going to go true just to be a dickhead. Okay, okay. And John? I think Katie's bang right on this. I, I think you can sue a psychic. Sue a psychic. Um, well, it is false. Yeah. But that's interesting you said that, Taylor, because apparently from the source I've read, it says it's actually illegal to be a psychic in Pennsylvania, as in you can't charge, charge money to engage in fortune-telling and tarot. Is that why I got pulled into a very dark room very quickly in New Hope, Pennsylvania? Be. There you go. Very strange, but... Um... If anybody asks, it's a cupcake place. <laughs> I should have known. So, yeah, apparently it is illegal to be a psychic. Uh, but really? Well, yeah, because that's the devil then. tricking you. You're supposed to love mm. Jesus. That's huh. true. And the final one, in South Dakota, it's illegal to sleep in a cheese factory. True or false? Hmm. I mean, if it's true, I want the background story as to why this had to become a law. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know that South Dakota's known for its cheese either. (laughs) I don't know someone they'd be so fussy about the one cheese factory. Hmm. I feel as though it might be a clever question in the sense that maybe it's illegal to sleep in any factory and you've added cheese... Because you want to throw oh, us to off the throw scent. Us off. But I, I smell something cheesy. Yes, because maybe it's an employment law and people were being worked too hard and they kept falling asleep. So they tried to like blame the workers. And yeah, I'm going true. Oh. Okay, true. I think it's false. Okay. But I don't know why. But I do like that because America in general is not really known for its cheese. And my understanding true. is they, they have American cheese and that's their... Their regional cheese is American cheese. Is that true, Taylor? Well, you can actually get some very fine cheddars uh, in the Vermont and New York regions, John. But um, yes, we have also created processed American cheese. (laughs) So who am I to stand on any sort of (laughs) platform? (laughs) Um, It's true. Anyway, it's, it's true. In South Dakota, it's illegal to sleep in a cheese factory. Apparently, it's a health and safety regulation to do with operating heavy machinery. So there we go. <laughs> okay. Uh, a lot of heavy machinery. It's for your own damn good. Okay. Yeah. But um, I completely failed to keep track of the points there, but I think we all won. Because what was our bonus question? What is the name of the website where you can donate to Comic Relief? Comicrelief.com forward slash podcast mashup. Absolutely bang right. I think Hannah won though, actually. Yeah. Wait, what? I mean, I I also know I did win, but I didn't want to say. <laughs> oh, well, then, yeah, there we go. I thought John won. No, I got the last two wrong. I got three. Hannah got clean sweep. Did oh, you, did you Hannah? I thought you got one wrong. I'm Emma Laws. Um, oh, I, cl- I will never doubt Smirnoff Ice again, <laughs> which is your new name. <laughs> well done. Well done. Sorry, I've had two cans of Grosh. <laughs> Do you know what? I can't remember if I got them all right, but I'm feeling like a glow, so I think I probably yeah, let's did. let's say it. Let's do it. Here let's base go. it on that. <laughs> a 
superb work there, Robin, on a great pub quiz. Very good. Right then, Hannah, we were all excited about uh, Dr Butler heading to London to be King James's physician O de la Mer. What would the title have been? His... <laughs> His court, his court physician, the court, yeah, the court physician, I believe, um, and this this meant that Doctor Butler could just sort of basically do do as he pleased in terms of finding these new miracle cures. So let's jump straight back in. Um, what do you think Doctor Butler's miracle cure for epilepsy was? I'll give you a clue immediately. It involved a gun. Oh, <laughs> wow! Must have been one of those musket ones, right? You know. Yeah. Gosh. I mean, he didn't shoot anyone, which obviously cures a lot of disease. He cures everything, really. 100%. But. Was there... Okay, so was there a thought that he could just shock people out of epilepsy, so it was just the noise, so he would get them as close as possible to the bang, okay. and that was supposed to cure it? Right, and of course, at the time, they didn't really know what epilepsy was, you know, it was kind of... Um, they Yeah, they had no idea. So we've got shock it out of them. Interesting. Any advance on that? Um, I just redid my first aid training recently and you're supposed to help lower people to the ground and move any dangerous objects away from them, which is the <laughs> opposite of using a gun. Um, maybe put like some pillows and blankets. So I'm out. <laughs> Was it to take the musket, shoot the nearest cow, cut the cow open, get inside the cow? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, we've got cow, Robin. I think the shocking remedy, uh, I think something like that, must be something to do with that. Do you know what? You're spot on. Taylor, you got it completely right that he would file, file? He would fire a pistol right next to his unsuspecting patient's head oh, um, and it would, he would try and scare the condition out of them. Jesus. And they would never return, so they'd be like, another cure. Yeah. <laughs> I hate exactly. this guy. Yeah, don't go to that guy. Yay. He also had a cure for the plague, guys. What do we think the cure for the plague was? Ooh. Clue, it involved water. Water? Ooh. This is getting dangerously close to drowning witches. Yeah. Have a good wash. Ironically, would have. Actually, that would coast. be amazing if he was, like, hot on germ theory. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hate to lower the tone, but does does the water go in the old bum? Okay. <laughs> okay. The, the like old Dr. Enema. Butler's bum. To, okay. to sort of purge them of their plaguery. I don't nice. think that's a bad answer. A, a little yeah, plague is... enema, a bub- bubonic bum treatment. <laughs> bubonic bum treatment. Um, I'm wondering I'm... if, was it like waterboarding? Again, it feels like there's a theme of just shocking people out of their problems with all of these things. So it was it sort of nearly drowning them. I was going to say he chucks a bucket of water on their heads in the in a similar shocking fashion. Yeah. Ah. Okay. Okay. Is this a little step down from the uh, from the gun? Why not? Um, he would apparently hold the consultation on London Bridge, um, and then he would drop them through a trap door into the Thames. Wow. And is that a cure, or is that to stop spreading the plague? Well, this is an interesting question because I don't know. I tried desperately to find out whether or not... Again, I think it's like a shock thing that he was going for. Um, Maybe it was to sort of clean them off. I don't think the Thames was particularly clean in those days. But I do not know what happened to them after they fell into the Thames. You know, there's a theme here as well that it's all very theatrical, isn't it? Like, that draws a crowd. And he'd be like, here's my card. I'm the king's doctor. You can only do that so many times before no one goes to you with the plague anymore. Mm. It's also tricky to do it once because if on your consultation, if you'd be like, right, come and stand 
just on this, <laughs> yeah. this wooden hatch. You're like, what? I don't really want to stand on the wooden hatch. I'm quite suspicious about the wooden hatch actually on the bridge. No, just yes. stand on the hatch so I can get a look at the plague on you. It's a doctor's hatch. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's just a classic doctor's hatch. <laughs> that should be the name of the pub. <laughs> Maybe this was the, the guy that kind of came out of the cow, so was willing to trust Dr. Butler with his life, you know. Yeah, I'll stand on the hatch. I've been in a cow. Oh, so maybe he'd like have a stooge so it would be the vicar for every single... Yeah. Oh, that makes that does make a little bit more sense. Um, what's interesting about this, and actually it's a good point, Taylor, that you say that it's quite theatrical because he's got a bit of a brand going now. So he starts selling uh, his most successful cure, uh, which is called Dr. Butler's Purging Ale. Oh. <laughs> yum, yum. I've had a few of them in my time. <laughs> Its main function was to make you, you know, be sick or, you know, relieve yourself. And so what do you think is in Dr. Butler's purging ales? Uh. Barocca. (laughs) Makes your wee change colour, okay. I had a friend who did ayahuasca recently, which is sort of the modern, well, I say modern day, it's a very traditional treatment, but is the sort of... uh, the trendy version of Dr. Butler's purging ale, because from what I hear, there's quite a lot of purging goes on. Mm -hmm. Um, But luckily you've had all your shame removed by that point, so you don't mind sort of soiling yourself. I'd be there, like, in my own shit, drinking a Smirnoff ice. It would just be a dream. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I'm going on a Smirnoff ice retreat. (laughs) And they'd be like, Hannah, we haven't given you the ayahuasca yet, but... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Glad you're comfortable. Yeah, there was a thing story I read somewhere about a kind of wealthy American businessman who went on an ayahuasca retreat uh, to kind of find himself. And um, when he was really high, his inner voice told him that he wasn't looking after his car well enough. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Imagine doing that, like just to find out you're pathetic. Like, yeah. <laughs> having to tell all your relatives that that yeah. was <laughs> sit down yeah. son i've got something to tell you <laughs> they're all hoping he'll come back like a bit deeper <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> I, well i'm gonna say lead because sort of lead was a, a key sort of item in these times to sort of give everyone terrible diseases and mercury people used to drink mercury thinking it did them good but that, but also but that they think those things do them good they must know this makes you sick well, but that's what you want it for, because apparently... No, but so it must, it must be a thing that you know would make you sick. So it must be something that's on the bad list, even in 15, 16, 40. Mm. Was it just... Um, oh, what do they take... <laughs> wow, niche reference. Do you remember the film Stand By Me and the scene that they mm. should have kept out of it, which is where he tells his story about the, like, vomit fest... And he yep. drinks castor oil, which used to be a, oh, yes. a thing. So I'm wondering, was it just oil? Oh, yeah, that's supposed to make you go into labour if you haven't had your baby. Oh. Mm. And it's supposed to help with, anyway, sorry, we've been in female workplace for too long. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, actually, to be honest, it sounds a bit like a normal craft beer for most of it because it's got <laughs> aniseed, caraway, licorice. Oh, um, that sounds so hipster. It really does, It really it? It sounds- does. It sounds fine. Um, it also included a thing called maiden hair, um, which is a fern, not just some woman's hair, which is a shame. It's not poor um, Nell's. 
one else. <laughs> You're back in um, touch, doctor. You haven't forgotten me. I need your hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who's who's rolling him out of the pub while she's not there? Very true. She might have travelled to London with him, but um, I'm I'm not entirely sure. So it had a thing called scurvy grass in it as well, which apparently cured scurvy. So there was, you know, mostly it was kind of good stuff. There was nothing in there that was kind of, but it did just make you purge. And they sold it. Um, it was on tap. Um, oh, wow. And it became, yeah, became so popular that he acquired a chain of pubs to sell it from. Really? Oh, my wow. goodness. I suppose if we're being honest, any ale, if taken in the right quantity, is a purging ale. <laughs> very true. This Isn't is it? very true. Huh. So there wasn't like a secret gross ingredient. Yeah. Unless, of course, that he like took it out of the recipe when he like uh, wrote it down. I don't but know. But did it actually make you sick? Did it actually... It did. Like your, people yeah. would drink it in the pubs deliberately to... I mean, it feels really, really... It feels an odd thing to do. Um, but yeah, it, it was on tap and I think there was about eight pubs. And the old butler's head in Moorgate, is the last one of them still open, doesn't serve the purging ale anymore. Um, But as we get to the end of Dr. Butler's story, I wanted to ask you, what do you think? Do you think the greatest physician of his time or is he a con man? Well, I'm wondering if the old Dr. Butler's head comes about because the the man is is separated from his head by the king after some sort of blunder or whether he's been found out or gives the king a a terrible remedy that makes the king's bum explode. (laughs) <laughs> Interesting. Do you know, I literally think it's called the old Dr. Butler's head just because the places are called like the Queen's head or, you know, it wasn't because he was he had his head chopped off. I think when he worked for the king, his the, his, the king's son, his eldest son died, um, but he didn't blame Dr. Butler for it. But if oh. Dr. Butler had been a better doctor, then that would mean that the older child would have gone on to be the king rather than um, James's second son, which was Charles I. Oh, wow. And Charles I screws it up for everyone, like worst king ever. Hashtag worst king ever. (laughs) So actually, if Dr. Butler had been the greatest physician of his time, then the course of like history could have changed, which is kind of crazy. Do we know what he was treating his son for? Well, it was... Epilepsy. (laughs) (laughs) Got the gun a bit too close that time, but I can't be <laughs> held responsible. They suspect, well, they thought it could have been a poisoning, um, but they don't entirely, there was something else was written on his death certificate, so I don't know what it was. Huh. Yeah, and I don't know if Dr. Butler could have saved the day or not. Am I right in thinking that it wasn't until after the First World War that you were more likely to survive than die as a result of being treated with medicine? Oh, wow. I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure that before the First World War, if you went to a doctor for something, it was more likely you'd be made worse than better. I mean, that would explain why no one ever wanted to go to the doctor. Mm. Mm. Also, it's costing you a few quid to get yeah, your aniseed you would, and caraway. I mean, actually, though, as well, you'd probably have to be nearly dying before you would go. So maybe it was often too late. Mm. That's a really interesting... I know the the golden era of medicine is supposed to be like 1920 to 1980 or something, isn't it? It was like that was when they invented kidney transplants and all the things. So, like, it probably was shit. <laughs> like, yeah, statistically, you were better to just do nothing. <laughs> yeah, there are all kinds of like there was a really interesting in our time about the the I think it's an episode called the Great Stink 
when the Thames basically ran literally like an open sewer. Yes. Uh, before the sewage was properly worked out. In the yeah. summertime. And it was solved, but it was basically solved by because they thought the smell was making people ill. Ah. Yeah. And that's what gave them the great impetus to kind of solve this issue. Everyone's dying. It must be because it smells so much. And uh, wow. But, you know, it's, it's, so, it's so weird to think that, like, well, yeah, people didn't really know what they were doing. So I guess if you go even further back to Dr. Butler's time, there's a lot of crossover between being a doctor and just complete guesswork, wasn't there? Do you know <laughs> what? And he tried. At least he tried. That's what I feel yeah. about Dr. Butler. He gave yeah. it a good go. He didn't let anyone tell him that he should be being an artist. Mm. <laughs> well, this is it. I feel like it was so experimental that you almost didn't have to be a con artist at that time. Because yeah. what were you what were you rallying against? As long as you were I don't know I don't even know if they had the Hippocratic oath then do no harm. <laughs> it doesn't sound like it. It was just yeah. sort of like do your best. <laughs> Whatever that means <laughs> to you. We've yeah. got a cow. Don't she's lovely. Don't don't interfere with the cows. <laughs> do anything you want, but just leave the cow and uh, yeah. Well, um guys, all that remains me to say is here's to um Dr. Butler. Cheers. Oh, well, cheers to Dr. Butler. Dr. Butler, I want to go to that pub now. Yeah, we'll have to make a pilgrimage to uh, the old Dr. Butler's head. There's definitely a film in that because it feels very uh, theatrical, as uh, Mm. as Taylor said. I could imagine sort of uh, Daniel Day-Lewis as the old Dr. Butler and someone who looks like Daniel Day-Lewis as the young Dr. Butler, but younger. (laughs) He'd probably drink purging ale just for, as, as method acting. Yeah, it'd be actual sick on set. Yeah, yeah. And then he'd retire for seven years. And then CGI. Yeah. I, I know we keep talking about, like, trendy hipster stuff, but you could make a, a brew called purging ale and people would absolutely buy that. Do you know what I mean? Because it would have the backstory and... Well, could we combine the two and have, like, an ayahuasca-infused ale... <laughs> <laughs> Where it's like a sort of CBD. It's like the next thing in CBD is to have just just the throwing up bit of ayahuasca, not any of the hallucinogenic bit. <laughs> and you'll be your friends will start going. Well, since I've been throwing up on my pillow, it's just my sleep's improved so much. <laughs> I'm not taking care of my sheets. That was my epiphany. <laughs> <laughs> well, folks, uh, before we send you back with uh, the mystery fully explored to the other realm. Uh, we must remind people of uh, why we're here in this in this wonderful mashup of uh, Drunk Women Solving Crime and The Moon Underwater. It's because of comic relief. We're mashing up podcasts all over the place and any donation you can make will help make a difference. Comic Relief promised to put your donation to good use, whether it's by helping people in the UK or those who are further away. £20 could buy a mobility aid for a young disabled person in Malawi so they can go to school. If you can, please give now at comicrelief.com forward slash podcast mashup. Well, thank you so much uh, to Taylor, Katie and Hannah for coming here into this realm, for making the long journey for such good cause. And we look forward to many more crimes being solved by drunk women and also many more pubs being in, created. created here. <laughs> so it doesn't quite roll off the tongue in the same way. You can't <laughs> in- incorporate the name of the podcast. But we, we look forward to the Moon Underwater b- b- being here as well. Bye-bye. <laughs> Yay!
<laughs> Drunk Women Solving Crime is produced by Amanda Redman with music by The Lion and the Wolf. You can follow us on Twitter at Drunk Women Pod and Facebook and Instagram at Drunk Women Solving Crime. And please review us on Apple Podcasts. And if you've got a petty crime you want us to solve, then write it in a review and we'll solve it. Thank you to Acast and thank you for listening. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.